New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Peter Fikowski, co-author with Carol Douglas of Climate Restoration, the only future that will sustain the human race. I'm speaking with Peter at his home by remote connection. Welcome, Peter, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's great to talk with you. Great to see you on Zoom. Yes, yes. Great to see you, too, on Zoom. You know, you write about and say that the Paris Accords, which stipulate net zero carbon emissions by 2050, will not be enough to sustain human life. So if that's so, what is a possible alternative and what can we do about it? So the Paris Accords were from thinking from about 50 years ago where we had to stop making the atmosphere worse. What we want is to restore the climate that we had 100, 200 years ago. And doing that requires removing the CO2 that we've put up the last 200 years. And that wasn't part of the Paris Accords. And what I'm encouraging our leaders globally and uh, people like us who support those leaders to change the focus on to the survival and flourishing of humanity from just reducing the damage. Because the, the problem right now is CO2 stays in the atmosphere for thousands of years. And so it's not going to get better unless we actually make it better on purpose. And right now it's way above sustainable, livable uh, levels. I mean, you say like pre-industrial levels, it was what, 300 parts per million? It now was below 300. It was uh, 280 for thousands of years. For thousands of years. And we were thriving fine. And now here. And we developed agriculture. That's the main thing that, um, you know, for 5 billion years, we didn't develop agriculture. And then we developed that now, obviously, more things happened than 280 parts per million. And I just want to say, Peter, this is coming up in our interviews over and over again, when things started to turn on the planet, and it goes back to developing agriculture. You know, I mean, I look in new dimensions, I look for themes that kind of show up in different ways from different people. And so why is that an important turning point in your view as a physicist? Well, nature goes along. You know, Mars has been Mars for 5 billion years and Venus has been Venus. But you know, we've only been here for a couple hundred thousand years with our language and so on. And we're the ones telling the story. That's why agriculture is so important because it allowed the development of civilization. And then what gave us the destruction that we have now is the fact that our population is 10 times higher than that very stable level we had for 10,000 years. And that stable climate and stable population allowed the development of all sorts of civilization, technology, and agriculture. And then in population exploded, started building and building and building until now we're at 8 
billion, eight, eight I billion, eight yeah. billion, and the carrying capacity is maybe what, maybe two billion or three billion. Yeah, well, it's almost impossible to say, but we can say this: that for uh, eight billion years, the population was very stable, and any tribe which had more children, perhaps because they wanted more warriors to defeat their neighbors. Um, Eventually, they got to the point where they had so many people, they destroyed their environment. And then the neighboring tribe with fewer people, but a healthier environment, clobbered them. And that would happen over the whole globe. That gave us a very stable maximum uh, population. And the reason it stayed that way is nature with all species keeps every species in balance with nature with their child survival. So uh, you have lots of seeds, lots of uh, salmon fry, and the number that survive are the number that the environment can sustain, and then lots of them die. Well, in the 1700s, uh, hygiene and medicine improved. We said, oh my God, we don't have to have our children die anymore. And we tripled the survival rate, which is good, but we forgot to reduce the birth rate in proportion. And so we kept having six children on average. Right. And so now we're back to 2.3 now. Well, now let's talk about that because it's an important question. Are we going to have death committees or something? Or are we going to kill off the older people? Or what are we going to do? But there's something happening planet-wide that's a natural phenomena, right? Of course, it's all natural. But here's the really good news, Justine. People are thinking that we want to restore a sustainable population. We just coined that phrase. If you Google it, there's almost no discussion of human sustainable population until now because it was assumed. (laughs) And uh, so we can do that by the end of the century. Now, at the end of the century, you and I and almost everyone here will have died natural deaths. So at the end of the century, it's simply a matter of how many people are born. And we're very good at controlling that. And it's not painful. It's not a big problem. So then the question is, what birth rate will take us from today to sustainable in 2100? And the answer is the birth rate that they have in Italy, about 1.3 children per woman. And that's you know much higher than South Korea, which is about 0.8 or 0.9. And it's lower than The global average, which is 2.3, so it's one child per family less. The point is, this is doable. We're we're sort of on the path, and all we need to do is focus on, oh, our goal is a sustainable population. And then we'll empower the women, and women are very smart. They know how to have the number of children that works for their community. And if the community says we need warriors, the social pressure will cause a lot of children to be born so there are enough warriors. Um, If the community says we want a healthy, sustainable population, everything I know says we can count on the women to have the right number of children. We don't need to tell them what to do. We just need to tell them where we're going and how society needs to get there, which is one or two children per per woman. Well, one of the reasons maybe for high birth rates in a family is, well, I can think of two reasons. One, that a family needs a lot of children so that the elders are supported by the younger ones, you know, that they're assured of that and they're assured that they're going to live long enough to do that. 
And number two, if they need them for subsistence living, like farming and herding animals and and things like that. So that that's another reason. Like that might be a reason that there's a high number of children per family, let's say in Africa. Well, historically, that's true. Currently, if you go to almost anywhere in Africa, they've had large families for so many generations that a tenth of an acre is about the smallest you can farm and is quite enough to sustain a person. And so it doesn't work anymore. So that actually is an archaic explanation. It's really just social. And the countries that have large families still, mostly they do it because they resist us Westerners saying, you know, you might want to have small families because it'll be good for your economy. And they say, you know what, I'm not going to let you white man tell me what to do. Right. And that's turning. A month ago, the president of Nigeria, which has the second highest birth rate, Niger has a higher one, but it's a very small country. But the president of Nigeria said that they need to start having small families in Nigeria. So the tide is turning in a very good way. Well, that's good news. And also, along with that is worldwide, I've read the sperm count is going down. So nature is kind of taking care of it in her own way just making fertility a a little bit more difficult than it used to be. Yeah, a good friend of mine says, make love, not babies. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) I kind of play on make love, not war, but make love, not babies. This is really great. So tell us, what are some steps that people can take toward helping spread the news about the need for climate restoration rather than just strict zero emissions, but restoring the, pulling the CO2 out of the climate. How can we as citizens be of help? Well, it's a bit frustrating because people want to, you know, buy an electric car, which is a definite thing to do and put on solar panels, which you should do. But the important thing is to change the story. Because what caused the problem is we've been in a story of zero emissions, which stopped being valid 40 years ago. And we now need to restore the climate. So talk about restoring the climate. A good way to do that is to talk about a sustainable population and small families because it wakes people up because it's been taboo. People get upset if you talk about family size. They get over that upset, though. And once they do, they realize, oh, this really is important. Let's just say smaller families will produce less of a need for energy sources. Yes. Food, shelter, all sorts of things, electricity and all of that. Yeah, less copper, less steel, less glass. It just snowballs. With more people, there are more resources needed. Yeah. You know, if you have a child, you can think of that as multiplying by five your CO2 footprint. So compared to going vegan, having one fewer child has a hundred times more benefit. But the important thing is the symbolic part at this point. That is, if you only have one child, people will ask you, why do you only have one child or why do you have no children? You know, guaranteed people will ask. And then if you tell them, oh, because I'm committed to a sustainable climate and a sustainable population, that will move the needle. Right. It certainly changes the conversation 
For sure. And I want to just say something about the other project that you're part of, I Am Humanity. And this really is about helping us to reimagine us as part of a total interconnectedness that we really are, and that every one of us shares the same destiny. Yes. That our destiny on the planet, as far as the climate goes, it's not saying, oh, it's only going to affect this country or the people who live here. It's affecting everyone. So we have a common destiny. We are a common humanity. Yeah, Justine, you know, watching you on Zoom, that both of us have huge smiles on our face. There's something about I am humanity, which rings true. I remember being three or five year, probably a five-year-old kid. And I just belonged to the community. It didn't occur to me I was separate back then. And then over time, I believed uh, Descartes saying, I think, therefore I am. And then I had my thoughts and I tried to have better thoughts than the other person and try to convince him or her to have my blah, blah, blah. And then I Am Humanity takes me back to where I was as a kid naturally, which is I belong to the whole community. And their future, their destiny is my destiny. And coming from there, then restoring the climate for future generations is a no-brainer. You know, having one, maybe two kids, maybe none, in order to give our future generations a beautiful planet again. You live up in the redwoods there. Imagine that we knew those redwoods would be around forever, Mm. right? I am humanity is that, is those redwoods will be around forever because we're planning on it. Just like the indigenous nations were planning on, of course, those redwoods will be around forever. So that's I am humanity. Peter, you reminded me of something that I want to mention here. When you said, as a child, we feel that connection with everything, with that we're not separated. And as a mother, and mothers know this, When their babies are toddlers and they're starting to toddle around and everything, they'll like step on your feet. They'll walk on anything and they'll walk on your feet because there is no separation. They're not thinking, oh, I'm stepping on mommy's feet. Their reality is total connection with everything. So you are absolutely right for us to go back to the days when we are all toddlers (laughs) and feel that connection we had with the wholeness of everything, because that's the truth. Yes. Well, then there's the flip side of I Am Humanity, which is, I call it a coming of age, a bar mitzvah for humanity, where humanity has been tribal from the beginning. For any tribe, the biggest threat isn't disease or anything like that, bears or tigers. The biggest threat is the adjacent tribes. And so our survival has been based on our tribe surviving and maybe stealing territory from an adjacent tribe. And that's true of all species, pretty much. But everything changed in the last 80 years or so. So with the United Nations forming and with technology, we're now one country. That is, it used to be if the British Empire fell, then the Dutch Empire would take over. No big deal. 
embarrassing, but we get over the embarrassment. When humanity fails, it's game over and time for the cockroaches. Right, right. There's nothing to replace us. There's no tribe coming in besides us. Right. Oh, Peter, I want to thank you so much for being on the cafe today. It's been just my pleasure. I've been speaking with Peter Fikowski, who's co-author with Carol Douglas of Climate Restoration, the only future that will sustain the human race. And to find out more about his work, you can go to his website, peterfikowski.com. And he spells his last name F-I-E-K-O-W-S-K-Y, Fikowski, peterfikowski.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,700 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973 thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.